This week's very special episodes of the Music Podcast here at Splendour in the Grass could not be made possible without our very good friends, of course, Studios 301, as well as our partners, Oztix, TP Love and Young Henry's. In this episode, I sit down with the legendary Henry Rollins talking about the Trump era and how we can change the world, as well as Stella Donnelly, who actually sat down with Rollins in a very special Me Too panel at this year's Splendour in the Grass. Welcome back to the Music Podcast here at Splendour in the Grass 2018. I am honoured to be joined by the great Henry Rollins, sir. It is an honour to have you here. Thank you, sir. Uh, As we speak, I mean, you uh, performed last night. Yep. Uh, your commitments as far as on stage is done. Uh, are you going to hang around for the weekend? Uh, I'm on a, a kind of a tight schedule, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I have stuff I, I have to do back in America. So I'll be here for a few hours, then to Brisbane, to Sydney, to Los Angeles. Right. So I'm out of here. Because this was this, last night was your only Australian performance, unfortunately. It's a shame you couldn't do some more. Well, I kind of want to save my shows here. I love being in Australia. But my next big tour will be 2020. Okay. And so I'm, I was asked to do this one festival, and I'm the kind of person who will get on an airplane for 15 and a half hours to do one show. Uh, I, lo- I love it here. Yeah. And I was happy to be asked. And so, um, but this is, a, I think, the only time I've ever done a one-off besides when I did Livid in 96. Wow. We flew in and we did the show and we left. That was it. So what was it purely because you're just a big fan of Australia? I hope that's... Well, I like doing <laughs> shows and I will find almost any excuse to come here. This is my second time here this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I did some documentary work earlier this year. And um, so I got here a few days ago and I went to Melbourne because mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of good record stores. Yeah. And so I, I hit Strange World Records run by my pal Richie and uh, he, I told... I, told him I was coming so he was ready for me mm. and he knows the kind of music I like I buy a lot of Australian music so yeah. uh, I f- I got a good stack I mean, of what artists are we talking about here um, I got some artists I've never heard of they just looked interesting sure. so I, 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 they're sitting in, a, in my suitcase I got them because they were either produced or mastered by Mikey Young of Total Control Okay. and I think anything he does even if he's going to master it it's going to be interesting yeah and there's a few labels like Antifade, small label here in Australia, that I bought the records because they were on that label. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they sound like. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just trust the label. Yeah. And for 20 bucks, if it's not any good, ah, oh well. Yeah. Um, I just am kind of a big supporter of the Australian music scene. So I have a radio show. I try and get it on the radio. Yeah. And so I bought a bunch of stuff. And I'm, I apologize, but jet lag and the blur of travel... <laughs> I kind of don't remember exactly what I got because no, it's, it's just new stuff. Yep. And Richie said, trust me, you'll like it. Yep. And he's rarely steered me wrong. Yeah. So I just got it. Okay. Um, so. I want to talk about last night's show. I mean, we can't obviously do the show again, uh, but some of the key messages you spoke about last night were about kind of telling the young people to, to stop talking about it and start doing it. Yeah, to be it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you get in that perpetual mode of, well, change is coming unless you go, well, no, it's it's happening because I'm doing it. Mm. All you do is talk about it. Like in my country, America is not ready right now for marriage equality. Yeah, we are. We've been ready for like 270 years, actually, because there's been gay people getting the wrong raw end of the deal yeah. since then to now. Yeah. So if not now, then when? Well, oh, you're running for office. You're full of it. And so unless you say it's time to go, 
watch me. I'm going. Mm. I'm not going to go. It's happening now. Mm. And so uh, I think one should live with some sense of urgency. And especially if you're young, if you don't like anything around you, it's because some old bastard put it into play. So change it. Mm. And that's how anything is improved. If someone said, not today, Mm. (laughs) they they went forward. What inspires you uh, when you are working on these shows? I mean, say last night's show, was this something you thought of the night before? Was this something you've been working on for a couple of months? No, they're just some ideas. I've been doing shows on and off all year in America. So it's just kind of new material, new ideas. Mm. I think for an Australian audience, you must spend at least five or seven minutes saying, okay, you, you're probably wondering how America got a guy like Donald Trump. Mm. It's a good question, and I, I have the answer. So I broke that down. Uh, how, get, what's the answer in a sentence? Uh, or two sentences if it's too hard. Trump is, <laughs> was an eventuality. Right. If you go from Ronald Reagan to now, like America has been clamoring for a fake populist like Reagan. He's an actor. He sold it very well. Really good on stage, you know really can bring it. America has wanted a guy who's going to tell you everything's okay, who's kind of corny. We, we're tired of smart people like Obama. We want that cool, dumb guy. Mm. We got him. And so he, people have wanted a guy like Trump or Reagan since Reagan did his eight years. They never had not wanted that. America wants, it's going to be okay. That's mm. what they want to hear. And Trump said it. Hillary didn't. Mm. She said, you're going to have to work. And people went, nah, not so much. Yeah. So. How, with something like a Trump, when you said it's an eventuality. Yeah. Uh, personally speaking, did you call that from a mile away? When that was kind of in the works? When he was running against Hillary, were you like this? this I was the, the one person I knew doing press yeah. in that whole election year. So I was doing every press opportunity imaginable while I was on tour. They said, and I did interviews from America to here to South Africa, everywhere. They, the, the big question was, do you think Donald Trump can win? And I said, yes. And that was usually met with, oh, come on, really? So I'm this like, was at the part where everyone was like, oh, Trump's just having a laugh. He doesn't really want to do well, this. Well, he was just having a laugh. He didn't really want to do it. You're, <laughs> you're dead right about that. Yeah. He just wanted promo for his dumb show. And so he ran not thinking he was going to win. And I was the one person besides – I saw a few different pundits on TV saying – not only can he win, but he probably will. Mm. I was in the, oh, absolutely, he can win. I don't have a crystal ball. Mm. But can he win? Yes. And he, he indeed won. And so I was one of the only people I knew who said vociferously, absolutely, he can win. Do never bet on the American electorate. We mm. will surprise you. Mm. We will go south real fast. And... Trump sold it very well. The tell was when he got elected, I was in Washington when he got elected. Oh, wow. Couldn't sleep. I stupidly did a show that night. Dumb idea. Because I watched my audience bum out as they're watching on their phones. Oh, oh this is like I'm happening. On, I'm on stage like, blah, blah, and they're on, they're on their phones like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you're great. One second, Henry, yeah. Yeah, and I watched my audience all night do. Oh, shit. And as the show went on, they're like, by the end of the show, they're just like, <laughs> Did you have any idea? You're like, I wasn't that bad, surely. I was on stage mortified for two hours going, I'm bombing. I'm bombing. All this material worked great last night in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I was talking to a friend of mine after the show, this woman, Laylee. I said, what did I, how did I bomb? She goes, oh, you got to look at the internet. We have a new president. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, it was the dumbest idea for a show ever. Anyway, 
I was on my tour bus in the parking lot waiting on the bus driver, yeah. watching the news outlets and suddenly breaking news. Donald Trump's doing his acceptance speech. And it's the only time I've ever seen him on his heels like, uh, uh it's going to be great. And I realized he didn't have a speech. He looked bummed out, didn't he? He didn't have a speech. Yeah. He looked terrified, completely bummed out. And as I said to the audience last night, why was he bummed out? Because now he's going to have to take meetings, sit, read stuff. Do stuff. Do stuff on Sundays like, oh, the Girl Scouts are opening a swimming pool <laughs> and I'm here in a suit on a Sunday. Yay. Yeah. I want to be back in New York eating steaks. <laughs> he, didn't, he never wanted the job and he's a crap president. Um, he just wanted the promo and be able to say mean things about other people, yeah. so like I'm saying about him now. Well, that, that, <laughs> so. that's the interesting part because, I mean, uh, there are very troubling times, I suppose, in the States. Yeah. If anyone can inspire, it is Henry Rollins. What do you say to the people in America, like, as far as staying optimistic, staying positive, trying to incite change? Thank you for the question. Here's what I say. Let's get busy. Uh, and I, I said this while he was only president-elect. I was on stage. I was on tour the whole time. While he was president-elect, I said, okay, you're depressed, right? And my audience was like, yeah. I said, okay, they're going to come after women's rights. I was right about that. I said, so we got to get active with Planned Parenthood and any other women's rights organizations that are going to protect women's reproductive health care. Uh, they're going to go be going after gay people. I was right about that. So we've got to be really stand up for anyone gay in this country who feels suicidal, who's being put upon, because this president and his people are going to go after gay rights, they're going to go after gay kids, and we're going to have to be really decent to each other because a really coarse version of the American electorate now has a mouthpiece. I was, this is kind of America 101, but I was right about all of it. So I said, it's, it's not for us to be all bummed out and hide under our couch. Time to do benefit shows. Time for bands to start doing benefit records for the ACLU, for Planned Parenthood, uh, for uh, my. I have a, a bunch of little companies. We donate uh, to an organization that uh, gets in the way. Uh, well, it, it helps LGBT kids who are suicidal, and uh, my company regularly gives donations to different organizations. We, every few years, change them up and put our money in other places. Yeah. Um, and so now we're, um, I think it's, it's called the, the, the Trevor site. Uh, they're relatively new to me. Uh, the woman who runs my business, she was like, here's a new place we're going to put the money this year. And I looked them up and I was like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. So we've been kicking money to them. And I said, it's time for everyone at this show. We're just all going to get active. And we're going to neutralize this guy. Mm. Trump is temporary, but we're here for, for good. Yeah. And so don't get dismayed. Get active. Let's go. This is what Joe Strummer taught us. Like, we're punk rock, right? So let's get it. Let's get busy. Mm. And so a lot, of, I think a lot of bands have been making benefit records. Like Ty Siegel made a great benefit record for the ACLU. Yeah. People are uh, doing benefit shows all the time. I think the comedians and the the musicians are really stepping up and generating hard cash mm. and putting them into these organizations. And that's, that's how you push back because you, you're going up against um, the American Congress. You're going up against a very well-moneyed campaign to limit free speech, limit uh, gay rights, which is to me just equal, equal rights for people, uh, go against women and their reproductive health rights. American, America is very misogynist. Mm. And where Christianity, which I have no, no problem with, it's now kind of getting mutated into this anti-woman, anti-gay, anti-brown person yeah. <laughs> strike force. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because so but there's work to be done. Yeah. 
and all you're doing is standing up for these other people. And I have to, I see it as my job to stand up for the people I disagree with. Like in America, Trump fans are called deplorables. I disagree with that. They're not deplorable. They just believe the guy. Yeah. You know, they're, they're upside down on their house. Their paycheck isn't meeting their, what they owe. They got three kids. They're scared. And Trump said, I'm going to make it better. And they went, okay. And like Hillary, she didn't sell it. She doesn't connect with people. Trump connects. Yeah. As far as being active, because I, I remember specifically right after Trump kind of came in and there were comedians like John Oliver and Stephen Colbert yeah. that actually pondered, shit, all this time we've been spending, you know, making jokes about Trump. Has that actually kind of driven the Trump supporters? Totally. It totally galvanizes so you, so do you think that kind of poking fun at Trump is only going to fuel that machine more? At this point, no. I think he has his base. They are what they are, like, what, 38% of American voters. I don't think you're going to lose them. Uh, otherwise, the access Hollywood tape grabbing the, mm -hmm. all that, that would have lost. If any other president, if that was Obama, they would have killed him. Gone. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, he just, they, he'd be in Siberia. I mean, like, you'd never <laughs> see him again. That would have buried Bush one or two that would have buried Clinton. Yeah. I mean, you just don't say that and like and be president. Yeah. Trump can do it, so he's never going to lose his base. What, so knowing that, putting him down, that's that's fun. But just telling the truth about him, and this is where your investigative journalists. I have never leaned so hard on American news media like I do now. Not not since the Iraq War. Where I really need you, the investigative journalist, to find out and tell me what's up. Mm -hmm. And these people, you have all this this new crop of young journalists in American media, like you know, late twenties, early thirties, tons of energy, super smart. They're all writing books. It's fantastic. They are kicking Trump's ass. They are finding out stuff mm -hmm. about where his money's going, his links to. Russia, his links to Russian oligarchs, money laundering. And so the way to get at Trump, the legal system and energizing voters who will vote for someone else, mm. energizing those kids who are now turning 18 this year by November, whose classmates got shot, mm. uh, who's uh, look at a have gay friends in high school and sees a president who's obviously homophobic, uh, who hates black and brown people, who and these young people are, have black and brown friends and listen to black and brown music and don't have their parents' racism. Mm. All of these people need to vote, and a lot of them will. And I, I bet I can tell you which way they're going to vote, not the way their drunken grandfather uh, <laughs> yeah. votes. Yeah. So things are changing because a lot of young people, like a fraction of my age, are basically said, not today. And they hit the streets. Yeah, wow. I mean, we, I mean, I feel like we can talk about Trump for another couple of hours, but yes. I do, I do want to talk about uh, a forum you participated in yesterday, yeah. uh, a Me Too panel uh, with yeah. the young Australian artist Stella Donnelly, who was here uh, yesterday. She's amazing. Well. Yeah, well, I mean, what was your take on that on that panel? I was honored to be the the sacrificial male that was <laughs> asked to be on it, and it's one of those issues that it's just a personal thing for me because it's right there with homophobia and racism, like misogyny and, and assault on women. Um, it just drives me crazy, you know, because I, I just it's just not in what I do. And when you find out how many women you know, when you talk to them, like, oh, well, that happened to me three times, two bosses, my boyfriend's friend, and you, you find out every woman has just had some awful or semi-awful thing happen where it should be nothing happening like that. Yeah. And so to hear all these fantastically articulate women from different, you have a lawyer, amazing, brilliant. Two f women from the entertainment aspect, an activist, Stacey, uh, a journalist. Mm. Um, you just have all these people coming from different sides of 
skinning that cat and me um, who I can fl- flip the groping thing on its head as well because I get groped like I do photos of someone someone reaches around and I'm like <laughs> grabs me mm. while their husband's taking the photo Jesus. and I'm like okay yeah I mean I've been poked and prodded and grabbed by people since I was 18 and got my face in newspapers yeah I have people outside my house calling my name I get touched in all crowds. I get slapped on the back at airports. It s- s- scares me out of my skin. And so I'm not saying, oh, poor little me. I'm just saying I, I, I know a little bit of that mm. grabby thing. But what women have to deal with, I can only listen, respect, and appreciate. But I'll never fully understand. Like being a Caucasian, I'll never understand the American, African-American experience. Mm. I just, I'm not black. I just, I can read about it. I can listen. I can try and get it. Mm. But I, since I'm not it, I'll never really understand. Yeah. Knowing I'll never fully understand what a woman goes through, all I can do is be an asset to be like, because both Stella and the other girl whose name I, I can never pronounce. Is it Tracy? No, the other singer. Ooh. And it's this polysyllabic, beautiful yeah. name, and it's escaping me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. They both said, what's your best backup at a festival when you're walking through the crowd? Your friends. Just, like, have your friends with you. Mm. And so that's what I see myself as, someone who can be a human asset, stand up vocally, speak out, and do what I can. But not being a woman, there's only so much I'm going to know. So for, my job is to listen, basically. Given your, your experience and your time in the industry over the years, when, you, when we talk about this kind of subject and you look back throughout the years, do you think, holy shit, how did we miss that? How, did, how was something like that okay? No, and I, a lot more women are, are speaking up. Being kind of a, a Hollywood insider in that I've done a bunch of movies and TV, I've heard a lot of talk. And it's not, these people aren't here to defend themselves, but some actors and actresses have quite a reputation for some really uncool behavior, just from being divas, yelling and throwing things too, or propositioning. Uh, Since they're not here, I can't verify, but I believe all the makeup artists who have told me about that person. I, I, I believe them. And so you've always known it's around, like with Harvey Weinstein, I said this yesterday on the panel. There was comedy routines on popular sitcoms about, hey, watch out for Harvey Weinstein's mm. hands. I mean, everyone knew, yet, and he got away with it for years. Yeah. This isn't funny, yet it's in a primetime 8 p.m. comedy show. Hey, did you unglue yourself from Harvey Weinstein this morning? Yeah. Oh, I took a crowbar and eight men, like or some yeah. stupid it's joke. Epic I think during the Emmys made like a direct joke, like about women having to like, go to Weinstein's hotel. Everyone laughed. Right. Yeah. And for some women, that's post-traumatic stress for the rest of their lives. That is a life-ruining experience. Yeah. You lose your self-esteem. If you say anything, you could lose your career. And so the question gets asked, like with all the Bill Cosby accusers, well, thirty years, what took you so long? Shut your mouth. That's the answer to that. Like, the bravery it takes to say that happened to me, and all of a sudden the world is looking at you, and people are telling you you're lying. Your parents, like, like, why didn't you say anything? Your, your husband, your wife, your significant other. Do you get your next job, or are you now the, the problem? Mm-hmm. And so the amount of courage it takes for 
anyone to stand up. Men, like in America, the American military, you find out a lot of men get assaulted. Yeah. And so it takes guts for anyone. Like all these men are in their 60s, like, yeah, the Catholic priest. And like some old man breaking down in tears because he's never been able to talk about it. Mm. So talking about assault, man, woman, child, adult, whatever, it's really hard. And so there's no time. Well, you didn't talk about it for 10 years. It's, it's now null and void. No, it's as alive and awful as it always was. What took so long? Enough people, enough women in the industry, I think, who were A-list enough to like, what, you're going to fire uh, whoever? No. And so what gets ignored, and I think it was mentioned on stage, is that non-famous women people get assaulted too in minimum wage jobs where your recourse is nothing. And this is an awful statistic. And you never really think about the person, the lady mopping the floor at the restaurant, when she gets assaulted, what's her recourse? She can't afford a lawyer. What's she going to do, call a cop? Mm. She needs that job. She really needs that job. She's got two kids back at the apartment. And so the sexual assault, it goes across every economic strata. It goes through every job description, entertainment, a, a, a restaurant. I mean, and you just wonder, maybe it's just something. Well, here's my quick fix. How do you make it? Nail the guys now. Yep. But, but what do we do tomorrow? That's the important thing. How do we go forward? Because this can't happen again. It's not in this century. Like, we got to fix it. Yeah. And so uh, a great way forward to me is putting more women in positions of power. And this is not a revolutionary idea. At minimum 50-50. Me being a bit extreme, I'm like I'm in favor of 75-25. Wow, okay. Like men are the 25% yeah. minority. Because since the beginning of human organization, jail, uh, court, your cave, my cave, property, that's mine, that's yours. Yeah. Men have been running the show. So what you see from this to this, this is what happens, this is what you get, for better or for worse, where men run the show in every civil, relevant civilization. There might be some small villages here and there where women run the show, but they're not building the internet. So I'm, I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying dominant Western culture. Men have run the show. Like 99% of the pie belongs to the men. Well, let's, let's flip that. And, and let's widen out women's sphere of influence and see, and like, let's try that for 5,000 years and see how we go. Let's mm. give it a whirl. Yeah. And if it's a bad idea, well, we'll just have to find out if that idea wasn't any good. Yeah. But I'd like to embark on that idea in about 20 minutes. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like immediately. Yeah, yeah. And you're seeing it in America, a lot of fantastic young uh, women are running for uh, congressional seats and local state seats. And like, here we go. That's, that's one of your great solves, putting women in charge. I don't fear it. I think you might end up having less war, uh, better health care, because uh, uh, maybe women are not so money hungry. Mm. And I'm not trying to say men do this, women do that. There's awful women too. But uh, maybe a creature that nurtures and gives birth might have a different idea of health care. Yeah. Like, we're here to help people, yeah. not to skim them for money for a pill. Yeah. So that's, that's a way forward. And maybe more men advising their younger, you know, younger brother, nephew, like, hey, man, that's not the way to go. Mm. Like, really. Um, I come from a very uh, kind of uh, 
egalitarian punk rock scene from Washington, D.C. If there was a girl in the band, no one would. There's a girl in that band. Like, that's the bass player. Like, we never... Yeah. Black Flag, the band I was in 108 years ago, we had a girl bass player. We never thought... It's like, get your bass, let's go. <laughs> was the community around you, though, like that? Like, who's, who's the girl in the band? No, no one cared. No, yeah. one, no one gave a damn. We just got on Which with it. Which is the way, right? Like, it should be that way. That's, oh, that's the way I reckon. Yeah. And, like, she was as tough as anyone I've ever played with. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, like she, she could handle 1984-era Black Flag, which <laughs> almost made me quit. So, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got this all on tape. Um, you are coming back in 2020. Maybe we can rewatch the tape and see where we're at then and reassess the shows. I, I, I would love to think that we're in a better place with all of this going forward. Mm. Uh, I just I think it getting better is kind of unavoidable. Because you look at, like, the audience last night, they're just not going to get this wrong. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to fall for the prejudices of the past. Of course. Well, Henry, um, thank you so much, man. I feel like we talked for hours, but we're literally getting the wind-up. So oh, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much for your time, and, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Well, we'll do. Thanks. On the Music Podcast right now at Splendor in the Grass 2018, I'm joined by Stella Donnelly. Stella, welcome to Splendor. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Um, this is pretty cool for us because I think the first time and the only time we've met was Big Sound last year, yeah. if you remember. Yeah. Um, and we were doing the podcast from there. And um, you were meant to do a little interview with us, but you were rushing for time. And you're like, I only have time to do the performance. Is that okay? And we're like, yeah, sure. Do the performance, whatever. And then um, you perform Boys Will Be Boys. Mm. And I think there was about 15 people in that room and everyone just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then oh. you're like, well, thanks, guys. That was fun. I and we left. And we were, we were just like, what the fuck just No happened? context. We couldn't believe And that video, by the way, has had like 30,000 plus views. Wow. Just quietly. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that was, that was such a crazy time, you know. I, mm. I, yeah, I remember that really vividly because I remember you were interviewing Mama Kin just before yeah. and I needed to go to the toilet and I remember walking in being like, hey guys, and you were recording and yeah. everyone just turned to me and was like, shh. So I'll, I'll never forget being told off and then and then subsequently playing playing yeah. that song and yes, but it's good to good to see you again. Yeah, good I mean, I, I I blame Mama Kin for that because we went to do like ten minute yeah. interviews. That was like a twenty seven minute interview. Come on, Danny, she loves but, to talk. Yeah, nah, I love no, Danny. That was um that was really cool and I think that's like the perfect place to start because since Big Sound, holy shit. You have skyrocketed. You've been signed to labels. You're signing new deals. You're releasing new music. You've toured with Alex the Astronaut. Am I missing anything here? South by. South by as well. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. like how have the last what 10 months been for you? Pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, a really it, they've been really really fun, you know, yeah. and have been it's challenged me in ways, you know, just to be able to kind of like keep your stamina mm. and to keep you know uh, keep all of those things up but it, it's just been amazing I'm so grateful and lucky that that this is happening to me so yeah never in my wildest dreams I mean we are at Splendor I don't want to keep harping on about Big Sound but I mean because Big Sound was such a, a big thing for you and then you did go to South by how similar are those two conferences as far as you know emerging talent and trying to get some eyes on you Big Sound is so good Splendor is like Big sound on crack. Yeah, um, it's great, but it's just so full on. Mm. I, I just think we're so lucky to have something like Big Sound in Australia, and um, it's. I I actually think Big Sound works better. Sorry, <laughs> South by. <laughs> I'm sure they don't care. But you know, in in terms of really nourishing each artist that's playing there, you can kind of get lost like a fart in a fan factory at South mm. by Southwest. That's but a here, very graphic metaphor. Yeah, but I've here it's you know you kind of everyone gets an opportunity to really perform to their abilities at, at yeah. Big Sound. It's all 
a bit slower, it's a bit smaller and it's more nourishing. Yeah. Great Escape I did as well in Brighton and I felt that one was more similar to mm -hmm. Big Sound than South By. South By is like the Rock and Roll Olympics. It's yeah. just insane. And yeah. then you toured with Alex the Astronaut a couple of months yes. ago. Yeah. You guys, met, the best. you guys met there too, didn't you? We met at Big Sound, <laughs> yeah. We we both bumped into each other at the after party and neither of us had been drinking because we'd been quite unwell. Both of us were stressed and sick and blah, blah, blah. And then we saw each other. Both of us had a beer in our hand and we're like, yes, <laughs> we've done it. So we became very good friends after that and yeah. the tour was amazing. Yeah, and yeah. How, have, is this your first time performing at Splendor? It's my first time even being here. Oh, this Great. is uh, this yeah. is what I'm here as well, right? Yeah, it's amazing. How was it? I still haven't had a Byron Bay donut yet, but it's gonna it's no, on the cards. Yeah, yeah big time. it's on the cards. How how was your set? Because you only performed about what half an hour ago. Oh yeah, about an, an hour? hour ago yeah. now. It was amazing, man. It was just so amazing that the crowd were beautiful and receptive and just a dream come true. I was pinching myself. Yeah, yeah. it was great. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Alex is here as well. Have you, have Alex you, have is you here. caught up with her? I've got her shirt on under this ugly turtleneck I'm wearing. Alex the astronaut. Can you there on we that, go. Please, Danny? Thank you. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> uh, it's not very sorry. I'm not going to lift this up. You don't want to see what's under here. Um, but um, yeah, Alex is performing tomorrow, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to see her again. Um, another thing you did today, which was pretty incredible, was you took part in a, in a Me Too forum. Um, with a, a little indie artist apparently called Henry Rollins. Yeah. How, how was that for you? <laughs> it was great. It was it was really interesting. Um, it was harrowing, of course. You know, anything that, you know, that discusses these sort of issues is quite difficult and exhausting. Mm. But, you know, when you can do it on a panel of such interesting people, Nikeshi was amazing. She's from Sasquatch and she said some amazing things. And, um, yeah, it was great. I actually kind of had a bit of a – I kind of argued with Henry Rollins, which I'm pretty proud about. What I can write that – Take that off my bucket list. No, Friendly debate? It was, it was friendly debate. Like, I really Henry. like him. I think he's amazing. And I think he's like <laughs> one of, he's really smart and he's doing some amazing things. But he said something and I was like, ah, oh, no, no, actually, I don't agree with that. And I, I found myself kind of just saying something to Henry Rollins and then just going, fuck, fuck, fuck. Did you I just back this up now? Yeah, <laughs> shit, shit. Remember all the things you've, yeah. you've read about. Yeah. But it was, it was great. It was a really healthy debate. And it was great that he was on the panel because, you know, he's speaking from a perspective of, of, a, of a man who who has this power and he's doing so many good things with it. So much respect to Henry yeah. Rollins. Yeah. Was there a part in the, in the forum that you actually um, specifically spoke about Splendor and the people in the audience? Oh like, yeah. You know, yeah. How did, <laughs> was that directly after calling Rollins out? Yeah, no, I just said it's the responsibility of the artists as well as the crowd to keep the people safe here. Mm. And, you know, as an artist, when you're on stage and if you see shit going down, you need to call it out. Mm. And, um, there's not enough of that going on at the moment. But I did notice that Splendor has this amazing thing going on at the moment where it's like the red light mm -hmm. button. Yep. So I, j I signed off just before I played yep. that if, if, if the sound crew sees something, they was just, they, they've got my permission to stop the music and to stop the set, which yeah, I wow. just think is an amazing initiative to have. And if things like that, if we just keep these policies coming in, mm. you know, the behaviours will eventually change. So, yeah, I, I just did a bit of a call out to artists because some artists reckon that, that they don't need to worry about that shit sometimes like, we're just here to rock and we just want to do our thing but yeah. like everyone has the opportunity to enjoy your show sure. and not just like crazy dudes who are moshing so yeah, yeah. I don't want to make you rehash the forum but what was your I guess the biggest takeaway for you and the, and the, the key point that you wanted the audience to take away as well yeah I, I guess I just wanted everyone to kind of understand that 
that it takes all of us to kind of make these changes happen and, and that a safer place for women is a safer place for everyone. It's not just, we're not just, you know, harping on about, we're not just complaining. It's not actually very enjoyable to talk about this stuff all the time, mm. but we're doing it for a reason. There's, yeah. We're not just fucking, you know, making it up. So, yeah, I, I just really – it was amazing that there were so many people there watching and everyone on the panel had something amazing to say. And I really, really liked um, what Brie – I've forgotten her last name, but she's the author and the lawyer. She, um, you know, really made, brought a lot of actual legislate, legislative information to light, which I found really interesting, mm. you know. So, yeah, it was fascinating. I was really lucky to be part of it. Well, you mentioned before we started that you are going to be at Splendour for the weekend, so you can yeah. kind of lead by example. Oh, exactly. Just punch a guy. No, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to be going around punching people, that's for sure. <laughs> what, what's, um, what are your plans? I mean, now that the set's done, the forum's done, um, yeah. what acts are you keen to see? Oh my gosh! I'm really excited to go see MGMT uh, yeah, this no, weekend on Sunday. On Sunday, Sunday yeah. yeah, it's like my teenage dream to watch them. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited. And everyone else, Alex, obviously tomorrow, Methyl, Rolling Blackouts, all of them. They're they're yeah. amazing. So well, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Moving forward, new music. Can we expect uh, some work on a, on a new LP, EP even? Yeah, I'm recording an album at the moment. Right, so, okay. yeah, recording an album. I've been in the studio for three weeks and I'm in there for another two weeks before I go away for four months. So, yeah, hoping this, to get it done. Is this back at home in Perth? Back or? home in Perth, yeah, yeah which is great. And then where are you off to now? I'm off to Europe and the States and the UK for four, for four months. Good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And so Looking forward we, to when it. When are we hoping to release this, uh, this new uh, music? Start of next year. Great. Yeah, yeah, there'll hopefully be a single out before then. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to put out a Christmas song. Did you, did you play? You put, wait, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> You're doing a Christmas song. Yeah, it's called Season's Greetings. It's a bit of an anti-Christmas song, actually. Oh, so. really? So it's no, like, it's good. It's not like a Sia album. No, 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 no. But I, I will. there will be some jingle bells in there. There'll good. be some sleigh bells for okay. sure. Great, yeah. so It'll be more like the Bob Dylan Christmas <laughs> album. Has anyone heard that? That's brilliant. No, he's done that? It's beautiful. Wait, it's when hilarious. When was that Ah, uh, years ago now. It's like jingle bells, jingle oh, bells, wow, okay. jingle all the way. Because like great. C is the new standard, and I say that sarcastically. Yeah, yeah that's great. Because that album sucks. Oh no, I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> we love you, Sia. Even your Christmas albums, you're the best. Well, look, Stella, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, congratulations on the set. Um, good luck with the tour. Good luck thank with the you. new music. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, we'll see you soon. Catch you soon, Neil. Cheers.